0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is it all counts. This is
1: why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, joining me as always is Mr. Paul Pertichese. Paul, welcome. Glad to be back as always. The limbo of college football
0: still out there. Uh, we don't know what to make of it, but here at Saturday to Sunday, we are pushing through with our positional previews, you know, setting the stage. If there is a college football season or just to lay the groundwork for our listeners to know about all of the top 2021 NFL draft prospects from all our film. Evaluation this summer. Last episode, we talked quarterbacks. In part one tonight of the running back preview, we're going to get into a whole bunch of running backs that are going to be fun to discuss. And as
1: we said last time, this is going to be again thumbnail sketches of these players because as we had spoken about, you know, most of my analysis is really going to be coming during the fall as my family welcomes another individual into it. We're really excited, but uh, time is growing thin for me. So the fall will be my time to watch players. So Paul is going to be gracious enough to be sharing his thumbnail sketches of these, this running back class. And obviously I've been watching these guys as well throughout the college football careers. So I'm excited to just kind of get in Paul and kind of mix it up and, Kind of give people a feel for this class, but of course, we will be unpacking this class more throughout this season, whatever form it may happen in. And right on the beginning of tonight, we're going to start with the Washington State junior. He's 5'10", 197 pounds. I'm talking about the one and only Max Borgi. Paul, last year, he rushed for 817 yards, good for 6.4 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns, and he had 86 receptions for 597 receiving yards and five touchdowns. Paul, I'm going to tell you something. I am I was more excited about Max Borgi than I feel the consensus was. I felt like he's going to transition to the modern NFL game very nicely. I think he offers a lot of versatility, more so than other people are willing to exhibit. Yeah, he's not Chuba Hubbard. He's not Travis Etienne. He's not Najee Harris. He doesn't have any you know, bone cringing size and power or elusiveness that makes him just incredibly hard to catch or even that full length speed like Travis Etienne, but he can catch the football. He's good in tight spaces. He's good outside the tackles running in zone type concepts. Paul, I thought he fit the modern NFL very well. I I was more excited about Max Borgie. What do you think about him?
0: Yeah. Listen, I think he has his fans and I think he has some people who have some question marks and I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I like his game. I don't think, I think you have to know the role that he could play at the next level. And I think what you're talking about is I think he can be a useful player in a backfield and have a role with the modern day NFL game And, and in terms of what he's asked to do, I think some people are looking at him and thinking, probably because of the color of his skin, thinking Christian McCaffrey. and I don't think he's that type of player. Mm-hmm. I think he's got very good receiving capabilities, as you already spoke about, but I think he's more along the spectrum of a host of players, from you know, Chase Edmonds to Danny Woodhead to Austin Eckler. I think he lives. Little Boston in, Scott, maybe. Yeah, I think, he, Scott, I think he lives guy. in. I think he lives in that world. In a conversation on Twitter with Ray Garvin, you know, when I talked about who I he thought he reminded me of, he pointed out that Danny Woodhead's testing was through the roof. So he he didn't think Borgi was going to test like Danny Woodhead tested, but he understood that that might be the role and envisioned that type of role at the next level. I think he lives on that he's going to be drafted for his receiving capabilities and the weapon he can be as a third down receiving back at the next level a space player perfect for the, the the new way the new age and wave of using the running backs in the passing game but I don't think he's going to be looked at as a lead of a committee a workhorse a bell cow someone you build your offense around I think somewhere along that spectrum that I talked about of Chase Edmonds, Danny Woodhead, uh, you know, and then Austin Eckler now ha- having a much more significant role. I think that's kind of the world he lives in. I like his overall athleticism. I like his speed. You talked about him in, in, in small spaces. I think that's where he shines best. I like his lateral quickness. Uh, you could see it in terms of run bouncing runs out to the perimeter uh, but he's not going to test like it's a great athlete. I think he, I think he's probably in that good athleticism range, speed, all that stuff. I like his footwork, his cutting ability. I think it is it, good to very good. Uh, but it's really the receiving skills. I think that's where he lives. I think he'd be in the lesser part of a committee or a pass-catching role at the next level. You can probably, you know, push him out to the slot at times and and ask him to do some receiver things. I think he could go on day two. I think he could be like a round three pick for a team looking for for that component to the backfield. Uh, I just think you have to know what to expect. And if you think he's going to be a guy who's going to run the ball, you know, between the tackles. You know, 15, 18 times in the game at the NFL level, that's not Max Borgie.
1: No, and I agree with you on that. And that's why I think he's a guy that it's going to be his fit, his landing spot, like all of these guys, is really going to matter significantly. Moving on to Raheem Boyd, the Arkansas senior is six foot, 213 pounds in last year. He rushed for 1,133 yards, good for 6.2 yards per carry. Eight touchdowns and in the receiving game, he captured nine receptions for 160 yards and no touchdowns. Take us on a tour of Mr. Raheem Boyd. What does the senior have to offer to the NFL teams at the next level?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Raheem Boyd is the guy who's going to be, you're going to see him at mobile. If there's a senior bowl next year, I think Raheem Boyd's going to be there. Uh, Jim Nagy has had some uh, tweets about Raheem Boyd and he's on their, their watch list for sure. I think you're talking about a guy who, if, Max Borgi is going to make his living in space and out of the backfield. I think Rakeem Boyd's going to make his living in between the tackles. I think we're talking about an inside gap and zone running type of scheme, probably a day three uh, running back, maybe probably a depth back, maybe could develop into the lesser part of a committee but he's got good size, good frame at six feet, 213. Uh, His athleticism, I think he's probably above average to good, especially for his size and frame. He's got some short area bursts to his game, but I like the physicality, the toughness, the power. Runs with good pad level. I like his footwork, his patience, and his vision are good. He's he's probably got functional, average, long speed. But to me, he's a guy who is going to be a guy that can do a lot of things functional to above average to good, but doesn't have that clear calling card. And that's why I think you're talking about a day three type running back. I don't think you're going to see a lot of elusiveness, cutting ability, stop and go, you know, stop and start acceleration. I don't think that's the world he lives in. I don't think he's a guy that's going to kick it to the, the, the perimeter too often. So I think if you know what he is, I think he can play a functional role at the next level as a between the tackles runner with good size and frame.
1: Yeah, and talking about kicking it to the outside or kicking it to the interior, a player who may make their living more on the interior, the next guy coming up is Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma. The redshirt junior is 5'11", 216 pounds, and last year he rushed for 1,011 yards, good for 6.5 yards per carry, six rushing touchdowns, and he added on 10 receptions for 79 yards and no receiving touchdowns. And, Paul, I mean, like for, you know, my experiences with Kennedy Brooks was – you know, he's again, a very functional, I thought collegiate running back, but I thought there was something to be lacking in terms of the types of problems that he might see at the NFL level. And we're talking about the ability to not only assess, understand, adapt, and manipulate first level defenders, but then to do it, uh, to manipulate first level defenders, but also try to manipulate second level defenders in that way. I didn't see a player who had that type of awareness and sensitivity to the field, both in tight spaces, as well as in outside spaces. I'm not incred- I'm not entirely sure he's the guy that is going to transition very easily to the next level. I, I what were your thoughts on Kennedy Brooks?
0: Very similar you
1: know, listen, I think he's a very good college running
0: back that I think will be looked at at the next level as a guy who has a role. I think similar to Rakeem Boyd, we're talking, like you said, inside, you know, gap or zone running schemes. I think you're talking about a guy who's going to make a living between the tackles. I think you're talking about a guy who runs with good physicality and toughness and ability to absorb contact well and good play strength. I like his vision. You know, I think he's got good, good uh, instincts. But to me, he kind of lives in that Benny Snell world and functional back, I think is the best way to explain it. But you brought it up. I have down here as a developmental area slash concern, the ability to create yards for himself, whether that's behind the line of scrimmage. He had wide, he had wide open rushing lanes in the Oklahoma offense. It just caters to creating wide open rushing lanes that when those wide open rushing lanes aren't there and he has defenders in the backfield at the NFL level. I don't think he's going to be able to create yards for himself when he's in the open field to try to make linebackers miss or safeties. I don't think he's going to make them miss that much. I think at the NF at the collegiate level. Yeah. I I probably said his his elusiveness or his agility is, is somewhat functional, but I don't know if, if, if at the NFL level when everybody's faster and quicker and stronger, if it's going to translate creating those yards for himself, I think is going to be a challenge at the next level so I think he's going to have to rely on that strength, power, physicality, toughness, absorbing that contact to kind of make uh, his hay at the next level. And I think there's a role for that, but similar to Boyd, I think it's more of a guy who we're talking day depth running back with a chance maybe to develop into a part of a, a lesser part of a committee doesn't have that clear calling card that I think is going to push him into the top 100 picks.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the next player coming up on our list is somebody who's had a meteoric rise, in my opinion, over the last couple of months. And it's a player that I really haven't dug into the film on as many of these players I have not, not until this fall as we begin to unpack these guys even further. But Journey Brown seems to be on the tip of everybody's tongue when we talk about the running back class. The Penn State junior is 5'11", 206 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 890 yards, 6.9 yards per carry, 12 rushing touchdowns while receiving 15 receptions for 134 yards and one touchdown. Paul, I mean, I'm going to be very frank with you. I'm just going to kind of lay out the red carpet for you to kind of take us on a on a journey through Journey Brown. I mean, is he really – does he really garner all of this hype? Because, I mean, I don't want to put hype because hype is unfair. It means that maybe there's a, there's not a necessary reason to believe it. I'm not going to say I've watched him enough to, to make a call there. So is he worth – is he worth all the accolades and attention he's been given so far? Is there room to be optimistic, or do we really need to have this season to really feel it out? Well, I think my answer, what I'm about to say, will answer your question. If this
0: was going to be a traditional year, I think Journey Brown would have the best opportunity to catapult himself above Najee Harris and Travis Etienne to be RB1 in this class. So that is the level of quality play I see in him, but it's raw, it's unrefined. And therefore in a non-traditional year, I couldn't put him at that level because we're basing it on what we are right now with a little bit of projecting for sure. So for me, he's in my top five. And if... This past NFL draft would have went a little bit different, and guys like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Chaba Hubbard had left early, like we many, like many expected. He would be in my top two. You know, Dane Brugler, friend of the show, we've had him on here multiple times. He has him as his RB one heading into the, the season. He put out his great series on the Athletic. You know, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, I highly recommend it. Dane's work alone is worth the the price of the Athletic. Uh, but journey Brown's is r b one you know he's been doing his his positional previews all summer, and when I saw that that was that was an eye opener because you know Dane is someone's work that I respect tremendously, and when you watch Journey brown i think I think you understand why it's so easy to be excited about him, his size his athleticism, his play strength, his burst acceleration, you know, his ability to run through contact, absorb contact, his way to finish runs with power and physicality and toughness. The leg drive is always going, his cutting ability, his jump cut, uh, his footwork or all stuff that I would, can, I would categorize as strengths. And he's still, you know, his, Vision and his patience, I think are functional. It's instincts. He's still got room to grow there. And I think he can same thing with his receiving capabilities. You know, for me, the only question marks are workload concerns because we haven't seen him, you know, carry a full workload. He's got to improve his pass protect, uh, pass protection and he's got to show that he could even be more of an impact in terms of the receiving game. But to me, he's got three down potential a chance to be a starter functional in a lot of different running schemes. And I think he's a day two pick on his upside and talent right now. And I think he could have pushed his way towards the Travis E.T. and Najee Harris's of the world if we had a traditional full college football year.
1: I mean, I, I, I it's got me stoked to kind of go and watch him. You know, I deliberately kind of stayed away from him knowing that I would be under this crunch time this year in terms of being able to produce my own set of rankings and discussion points so i I kind of deliberately kind of you know said let me get a clear head before i watch him and everything that you just said there makes me even more excited because like you said friend of the show dane brugler we respect his work above so many and it is absolutely something to be told when he's got somebody at number one for sure and then to hear you resonate with it as well just really makes me excited to go to the film and paul i'm going to talk about excited to go to the film You know, a player that really whose pedigree, I think, has been pretty strong. And now, finally, he has a chance to maybe, you know, join the NFL ranks. And that's Stephen Carr, the USC senior. He's six foot, 210 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 396 yards, good for 5.5 yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns, also occurring 22 receptions for 143 yards and one touchdown. Paul, Stephen Carr, in my opinion, coming out of high school, was a very well-rounded all-around back. I mean, he caught the football well. He was pretty good in space. He was also good between the tackles, but he was also a player that, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of problem-solving, you know, there were just cuts and there were gaps between players. There were areas where he really just didn't have, you know, the capacities, the the physical capabilities to necessarily prevail. And at the next level, we were hoping that there would be some maturation and also some refinement in terms of those things, but it just never really seemed to be able to put it together at USC. Paul, what were your thoughts on Stephen Carr?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you just summarized it beautifully. Some people, you know, might look at Stephen Carr, even being in the notebook to start the year talked about on this podcast as a little bit of a surprise. And maybe it's that I struggle to quit on talent, especially talent who we were following closely from their freshman year. And his freshman year, he really, he really shined. He had some moments to think that he was going to be a big time player in college and it hasn't materialized yet, but there are some things that stand out about him that are intriguing. It's, but he's more athlete right now than running back. And you talked about it there with his inability to solve problems on the football field. I mean, for areas of concern, developmental areas, I have things like vision, instincts, you know, just natural, you know, understanding of, of the run game are things that are he has to show growth and improvement on. But he has certain things and certain aspects that you can not teach. His athleticism, his long speed, his bursts, his acceleration, his ability to cut and change directions are there. It's it's the understanding and the processing that hasn't. Matched up yet to the God given athletic abilities he's had, which is what made him such a high recruit. And then when he played in, 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 you know, little bits in here, he was really productive that first year. But then ever since he was asked to do more, and he's, he's battled some injuries too and durability concerns, but it's that understanding of how to solve problems, the vision, the patience, all that stuff, which he needs to still show growth on. But I still think he's the guy that the NFL teams, whether we want to believe it or not, they know who is five-star recruits. They don't quit those guys very easily either, similar to how sometimes in the Debbie community, we don't quit these guys and in their natural God-given talent. So I think Stephen Carr is one of those guys that I can't quit the talent yet, I think an NFL team will be intrigued on day three, even just with those natural athletic traits, teams that really you know, look at spark scores and the athletic profiles of guys and are going to be intrigued with Carr. And if we ever have a season this year and he stays healthy and he produces, I think he could see his stock rise a little bit, but he really has to kind of put it all together and show a lot of growth and
1: improvement in the natural rushing components of the game. No, and I think you really kind of put it really eloquently And and going back to the summer seminar series, friend of the show, Sean Mishka, who's uh, you know, wonderful blog series, football beyond the stats, and also the blog at emergent movement.com, he actually just put out a recent article about affordances and and affordances in football. And basically the the discussion was about the opportunities that players take on the field, and that's what affordances are. What opportunities for action do they have given their particular skill set? And the ability for a player to basically move on the football field is, is a conglomeration of their physical capabilities and their own understanding of the opportunities available to them in the actual environment, their own perceptions and actions and their capabilities. And Stephen Carr, to your point, Paul, he had the physical capacities. That wasn't the issue, but again, it's not just having the physical capacities to do things. It's knowing when and how to do things. It's all about understanding what can I do with what I can physically do? What can I do on the field during the game? So yeah, I mean, I I would love to see what Stephen Carr can do this season if we actually had a full season. The next player up is Ty Chandler, the Tennessee senior is 5'11", 201 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 655 yards, good for 4.9 yards per carry. He had three touchdowns And he had 13 receptions for 63 yards and no touchdowns. Paul, I mean, just remembering kind of some of the things about Ty Chandler that I can bring to the discussion. I mean, you know, I definitely remember him as more of a player that uh, you know brought a little bit of brought a little bit of that power to the game. He was a good interior runner, from what I remember out of high school, and then what he did in college was I saw him open things up a little bit more, but I I remember him being very, very tough between the tackles. And that was something that I was wondering if you saw some of that when it came to his film in Tennessee.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, Chandler was a guy that I was very intrigued with last summer when we did this show. And I thought he was going to maybe take the next step and even be a guy that declared early. And then he kind of, Tennessee was really down overall last year. So the offense was struggling. And then, you know, Eric Gray kind of emerged to potentially be their lead back. So Chandler took a little bit of a back seat, but I still think he's another one of those guys that maybe it's not the senior bowl. Maybe it's the shrine bowl, but Ty Chandler is going to be one of those guys that gets an opportunity. And I still. Look at his skill set, and I think he's got good athleticism, burst, and acceleration. I think he's got above-average long speed. He he's got some return ability, and you talked about it. Even at two Oh one, he absorbs contact. That's not a weakness of him. I I'd put it in that like the functional area: his contact fidelity, his play strength, his finishing ability for a guy two hundred one pounds. I think he surprises at how physical he can be in between the tackles at that size. So I'm a little bit – but when I watched his game, this past year's film was not as good as the year before. I thought he had some more inconsistencies. I even thought the inside running uh, and his overall power this year weren't as good as last year. So again, what was, was it him? Was it a product of maybe him trying to bounce things out and, and do things a little bit differently because the team around him was struggling so much. So it's hard to kind of pigeonhole the differences from when I watched him last year to this past summer. I do think I didn't see growth and development and I saw some regression. Now I don't know if that's him or the the surrounding cast. We know so much goes into the running back position in terms of being productive. Uh, I think Chandler finds himself, you know, as a day three late day three type of guy. Uh, It'd be interesting to kind of see how he tests. And if we, if we see football this year, how he kind of does is does even take a further backseat to Eric Gray. And if so, that could really make his dress, you know, position next year, a little bit more of uncertainty.
1: Well, I mean, no, not only did you just, hit on one of my favorite running backs of the future, which is Eric Gray. But you also brought up a really good point. The quality of the solutions changed over time. You talked about how the year prior, the quality of solutions looked great, right? There was rapid succession of movement. There was quick and consistent processing of what was happening on the field. Now you're seeing a little bit of a degradation and you're wondering what changed and what happened. And that's the point when players are unable to adapt, you will see those quality of solutions degrade. So, I don't blame you for having a guy like that, given what you've said and given what I remember. If the quality of solutions are changing, then you know the player's adaptability may not be up to snuff. And we know that you need to be the one of the most adaptable players ever to make it at the NFL level. So let's move on to the next player. We got Malik Davis. The Florida product is a redshirt junior. He's 5'11, 195 pounds. And in 2019, he rushed for 86 yards and good for 2.5 yards per carry, one rushing touchdown, six receptions for 41 yards, and no touchdowns. Paul, give us a little bit of an understanding about Malik Davis and his enigmatic career. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing even really new to talk about Malik Davis.
0: It's been years since his freshman year where he exploded onto the seam with big playability That he looked like he was going to be a superstar. Like, I'll I'll go that far. It looked like he was going to be a college football running back superstar. If you watch some of his highlight reel plays his freshman year, and then just injuries, barely seeing the foot, the field for whatever reason. He, it's just been it's been nothing for years. I mean, last year he rushed for 86 yards, like, you know, in, in 2018 in three games, he rushed for 61 yards. Like we're talking about it's It's been 2017 before this guy was productive. So I, I included him here. Mostly I was going to do 25 running backs. And then he was the, the final guy I, I decided to put in the first edition of the notebook because he's a guy that we've been following for, for for years now. And it's interesting because I don't know what the backstory is, but you, you throw on and, and type in Malik Davis, Florida freshman, and you see some of the impact he had in the return game and some of his big plays, and you would have thought he was going to be a superstar in the SEC. And it hasn't materialized. But his natural athleticism, his long speed, his burst, his acceleration – I, I'm pretty certain that that's still there for whatever reason it hasn't been utilized because he hasn't been on the football field. So I mean, it's been two years since he produced. Over overall rushing production, you know, th- things like you know the nat- the natural understanding of the position, perceiving the capabilities, his frame his power, those are all very questionable. you know, in the limited actual film from 2017 in terms of what he did then. I thought his vision and patience were, were average that first year as a freshman when he actually got consistent carries, uh, but it's been so long. I don't really know what to make with him, but I wanted to kind of add him as like a bonus to the to 25 that I watched because I'm intrigued to see if he gets another opportunity or if his ship is sailed, and if that's the case and he doesn't get on the field this year again, he doesn't have a future you know, in the NFL But if he does and he can show some glimpses of that freshman year explosiveness, then maybe he can at least get a priority free agent ticket late day free, you know, for a team looking for that change of pace guy with, you know, some,
1: you know, game breaking type, you know, long speed. Well, I mean, the next player on our list, I think, is nothing short on athleticism. In fact, that would probably be the one thing that I think we'd all agree he has in spades. And I'm talking about Travis Etienne, the Clemson Senior, five foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds. Paul, it feels like we've been waiting on this young kind of dynamo to kind of emerge from Clemson and finally join the ranks of the NFL. And it looks like this season, we're going to get our wish last year. He rushed for 1,658 yards, good for 8.1 yards per carry. Yes, that's not a typo, 8.1 yards per carry, 24 touchdowns. And he added 37 receptions for 432 yards and four touchdowns. Paul, I'm going to rephrase how we talk about Travis Etienne because Again, like, like we said, we're going to be able to unpack these players for for months and months and months. I want to know, what is it going to take for Travis Etienne to be among the top 10 backs in the NFL coming out of college? What does he need to add? Because I think coming out of college, he's probably going to be in that you know top 20. He's going to be potentially a starter. He's going to be somebody we're going to go after. But for him to make that leap from good player to NFL, very good elite player. What is it that you see from him that he's just gonna need to develop to round out his toolbox?
0: I, I think it's gonna continue to be refinement in the past game, to be honest with you. you. You know, listen, the the statistical receiving production looks gaudy, especially this past year. So I love the fact that they incorporated more 37 catches, 432, four touchdowns. Those are impressive numbers. A lot of that, though, is is really check down stuff, screens that he then turned into big plays. So I think if he could develop into a better receiver, a guy that can legitimately threaten defenses a little bit in the past game as well, even at the next level, then I think it's hard to see him really fail at the next level and not become a top 15 running back. To me, there's a lot of, Dalvin Cook like explosiveness with Travis Etienne. That's what I kind of see. I thought I was stunned that he went back to school. Absolutely stunned. I think he would have been right in the mix, you know, with the Clyde Edwards Hilaires and the Jonathan Taylor's and the Andre Swift's. You know, we talked about how hard it was to rank the top five running backs this past year. If you threw Travis Etienne into the mix, I think we would have been, the conversation would have been, man, it's really hard to, to rank those top six running backs this past year, right? I, I would have had the delineation after the top six. I think then it would have been, you know, where it would have been. And I think someone could have had Etienne at one, someone could have had him at two, three, four, five, you know, and, and I would have been, there would have been a strong argument to put him anywhere there, but there's not a lot, get a little bit better in pass protection. Uh, I think at times in college, he looks to bounce runs to the perimeter a little too much, looking for the home run play. I think that's kind of a lot of college running backs that are, that are so great in terms of their, their athleticism and their, you know, stop and start acceleration and their footwork and their cutting ability, all the stuff that Travis Etienne is great at. I think sometimes they get a false sense that they can always get to the perimeter and always cut it back out and and get to the outside. And at the NFL level, sometimes that doesn't work you know, because everything's quicker, faster, better defensive schemes, et cetera. So I think that's the one thing. Just harness in the aggressiveness and don't be over-aggressive. Sometimes just take what you can get because they a one yard run or a a zero yard run sometimes at the NFL is very important compared to a minus six yard run. And in in college, when he went to the outside, it didn't often lead to a minus six at best. He probably got back to the line of scrimmage or picked up a couple yards, but sometimes he can kick things out to the perimeter and it could lead to a a chunk loss at the next level. So I think he's just got to be a little bit cautious about that continue to improve his receiving game. And I think you're talking about a guy who will definitively be a top 15 type running back. if not higher at the next level.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, again, talking about my experiences, watching him over the last, you know, his college career, you know, the things that I kind of immediately gravitate towards is of course the receiving game. I think that is a big part of what we want to have. If we're going to be you know, a three down potential running back in the NFL. I think the receiving game is important. You know, I think that's an important part of what offenses want to do as a passing unit. To have that receiver out of the backfield that's a threat is important. And it's not just enough to catch the football. You also have to be able to elude uh linebackers who are getting faster and faster as they adapt more and more to spread. And also you may have to go against uh, you know, a potential, you know, hybrid type of linebacker, a player who might be even a a nickel or a safety, you know, so you have to be able to have some route running chops and route running capabilities. So from there, I mean, you know, the only other, you know, thing on it, I would say is, is that to your point where he bounces runs outside, I think that's a testament to his, his inability or his developmental ability to see through the first line, to see past the first line of scrimmage to that secondary level. He's a guy who's very focused on what's in front of him, but not being able to see past that to the second level and being able to stack those things together. That's kind of the reason why I thought he bounced things out a lot. So to whatever degree that kind of ends up being the case, he is definitely it under no question one of the top players, skill players in this particular year and in this particular draft. Paul, moving on to Dimitri Felton, the UCLA junior is a red shirt junior. He's 5'10", 185 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 331 yards. Good for 3.8 yards per carry, one touchdown, 55 receptions for 594 yards and four touchdowns. Talk to us a little bit about Dimitri Felton. So Dimitri Felton meet
0: Antonio Gibson and Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden and Antonio Gibson meet Demetric Felton. This is next year's version of Antonio Gibson and Lynn Bowden. If there's a guy who's going to be classified exclusively as a receiver, as a slot wide receiver, Next year, who's right now listed as a running back, it will be Demetric Felton. His he's going to make a career for himself in the NFL level because of his receiving capabilities. Hundred percent, his natural athleticism. He's that yeah, very good to great athleticism, long speed, acceleration, and burst. Big play threat anytime he touches the ball. Anywhere he touches the ball, his footwork, his cutting ability, his ability—before we were talking about—I think it was with Kennedy Brooks, his, the inability to create yards for himself, like in in, in short areas behind the line of scrimmage. Felton can do things like that with his footwork, his cutting ability, stop and go—you know, acceleration, his change of direction stuff. That combined with his receiving skills and his route running ability, he's he's a, he's one of the better. He'll be one of the better route running. Running backs next year by far. And then his ability to create yards after the catch is what's going to make him very, very intriguing. He's a versatile playmaker. He could be used on traditional rushes, especially if you get him in space, a receiver out of the backfield, line him up in the slot, do jet sweeps, end the rounds, any type of manufactured touches that you want to get him. He's going to intrigue NFL teams to the point where he's a guy that maybe shouldn't go until round five or six, but then all of a sudden goes round three or round four you know, because an NFL team looks at him and sees a perfect fit to a dynamic piece that they want to add to their offense. That's Demetrik Felton. So he's a guy who is not being talked about on traditional running back lists. Maybe you see him on some people's wide receiver list but he's going to really intrigue NFL teams at his versatility in today's type of NFL world. We've seen Lynn Bowden. We've seen Antonio Gibson. We've seen what teams want to do with these guys. LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault. Dimitri Felton's going to be in that world next year uh, of those guys this year.
1: Well, and you know what? That kind of brings us and segues nicely into the next player who, in my opinion, is is pretty much the same thing, an offensive weapon. And that is Kenneth Gainwell from the Memphis sophomore he is five foot nine, one hundred ninety-one pounds, and he rushed last year for one thousand four hundred fifty-nine yards, good for six point three yards per carry. He had fifty-one receptions for six hundred and ten yards and three touchdowns. Gainwell, again, just from what I can remember watching him throughout his career, you know, Gainwell is definitely a player who can do a little bit of everything. I think he is. Like I said the hunt for the new percy harvin is on i know people keep saying like that's not what's happening i fully invest in the idea that teams want what we've called on this show the wingback or what i think um tra- not charles davis but uh bucky yeah. brooks yeah bucky brooks thank you called a slot back i think that that is exactly what nfl teams want why have a slot receiver and a scat back when you can find a guy who could do both. And I think Gainwell might be that guy. Yeah,
0: Gainwell's very intriguing. He's in my top five. And when we when when on the second part of the, the series, when we finish up talking about running backs, we'll also round out that second episode, you know, with some tiers and with some rankings inside those tiers. Uh and Gainwell is very intriguing. He sits in my top five right now. I think he's got more rushing capabilities significantly more rushing capability and upside than a Dimitri Felton. But to your point, he's a guy that teams are going to look at at 190 pounds and five foot nine. And unless he bulks up, they might have a different role in mind for him. You know, maybe a rookie year, you know, early on Alvin Kamara type role, like something like that, where like they're going to limit his overall touches in terms of running, but they're going to use him a lot in terms of the passing game. I know Darrell Henderson right now is looked at as a failure because his rookie year didn't go as well. But Gainwell and and Henderson in terms of their rushing ability have some similarities. I think Gainwell's a little bit more explosive. Uh I think he's a much more natural receiver than Henderson, but that explosion and that burst that we saw from Henderson at Memphis, Gainwell's got the same thing. What I think Gainwell has is more Change of direction, agility, elusiveness to his game, and cutting ability than Henderson had. I think Henderson was more linear, uh, and had the same level of burst and acceleration than Gainwell, but not as much, uh, you know, change of direction, cutting ability. I think Gainwell uh, supersedes in that regards. But yeah, he's he's another guy that where we're gonna have to figure out, and where NFL teams are gonna have to figure out is is he a product of the scheme creating tremendous wide open rushing lanes? Because that was the thing with Darrell Henderson. Darrell Henderson and Rashard Penny are the two biggest running, open running rushing lanes I've ever seen since we started Saturday to Sunday in terms of watching film. And it, w- it made for very, very tough evaluations when it looked like the the the, the parting of the sea every time those guys touched. There's some of that to Gainwell as well, you know. So, I think that makes his eval a little bit tricky. But where I think he's a little bit safer is that versatility that Richard Penny and Darrell Henderson didn't have. Gainwell's got that in his back pocket, Gainwell's got that in terms of his receiving capability, his ability to be that wing back, that slot back, whatever you want to call it. If he can't be a full time running back because teams are concerned about that, but he might be another one of those guys that NFL teams look at as eight to 10 carries, four to six receptions, you know, 14 to 16 total touches, and be a game breaking player every time he touches the ball. He's got day two to me running all over it due to that versatility and
1: explosiveness. And you know what, Paul, if we take a player that we've just talked about, I mean, actually two players, Demetric Felton through Kenneth Gainwell, players that can affect the game both as runners and as receivers. And now we go to a player who I think, I mean, listen, I've planted my flag on this player since the time he came out of high school, as many, as many, as many analysts have. I mean, he was a, he was pretty much a consensus top high school player. So there was no secret about Najee Harris, but the Alabama product really, I think took the world by storm as he finally got the reins to the backfield last year as a junior. And now this year as a senior, he's six foot two, 230 pounds. He rushed last year as a junior for 1,224 yards, good for 5.9 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns. And in the receiving game, he added 27 receptions, good for 304 yards and seven touchdowns. Paul, I mean, listen, we've talked, I've waxed pros about Najee Harris. I think he is one of the most skillful players at the position in this draft. And I think that's because he not only understands what's going on on the field, but he understands his own body and how to use his body to maximize those opportunities. And I see a player who's dancing, forgive the actual uh, analogy or metaphor there, but he's dancing somewhere between, in my opinion, Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. That's where I see him living. And I think that what separates him from those two guys, he's a better receiver. Than both of those guys by far. And I think for me, that's, what's going to excel. It is going to throw him into a team that's looking for that traditional running back, but yet they're going to get all these nice little bells and whistles. It's like a luxury car that you bought. And all of a sudden you realize, Oh my God, it has a heated cup holder and also a cooler in the actual compartment along the side of the car, all these little bells and whistles. He's that type of running back. I love Najee Harris. He would be easily, I don't care why I'm watched all these guys again. He's easily gonna be in my top three players of this particular um class at this at this particular running back position.
0: Yeah, and and let's call it for what it is and and pat ourselves on the back a little bit. There were a lot of people ready to jump ship of calling Najee Harris a big time prospect after his first Two years, first year, and then after a second year at Alabama. And we were talking about Naja Harris from last summer. We were talking about Naja Harris when the season started. And then I feel like it was the LSU game that all of a sudden people were like, whoa, maybe he is a little bit better than we thought. Maybe he is not a slow plotter and he's more athletic than we gave him credit for. Listen, he's not going to blow up. He's he's not going to blow up the the combine for his 40. Not. not. He's not going to run as fast as A.J. Dillon at, at at a big size, or maybe not even as fast as Derrick Henry. But his long speed is average at best, but his play speed is fast. And his overall athleticism is going to be good when you take into account the full picture, the jumps, the explosion, this, the stuff like that. His movement skills are very, very fluid for a man who's 230 pounds and 6'2". You don't see 6'2", 230
1: move like this. Well, It's and- rare. And I don't mean to, to cut you off, but I think that to add depth to what you just said, you don't see players like him that are able to power cut, speed cut, very controls, very angles, very accelerations, spin, stiff arm. Do all the different types of leapfrog. Moves.
0: How many times have you yes. see games where he leapfrogs a defender because yes. he has that in his tool bank to solve problems? And you talked about it. His receiving capabilities. He wasn't, we talked about before Travis Etienne just running check downs. Travis Etienne was running wheel routes to the end zone and caught multiple touchdowns like that. Like Travis, Najee Harris showed his ability to be a three down player this year. You know, so to me, he's clear top two running back right now for me, him and Travis Etienne. And to be honest with you, you can make it a one A and one B thing. And I wouldn't really argue somebody who wants to put Najee Harris ahead of Travis Etienne right now. He plant that flag. He has, he, you talked about it. His footwork, his for men six two two thirty. His lateral quickness is outstanding to get to the outside and run for, for that size and frame. I mean, listen, he's not Saquon Barkley, who was a freak, but his lateral quickness is a strength of his. Most people didn't believe that just a year ago at 6'2", 230, that, that. And then we didn't even talk about his powers, physicalities, play strength. Some people might say he doesn't he don't, go down. Some people might say he could even be better in that regards. And maybe there are times that he almost is. He doesn't even play up to that size and he can even be more physical. And I, I I agree with that. Maybe at times he can, but when he wants to be, he's physical. He, he bounces off of runners. He runs through contact, you know, to me, his acceleration bursts and long speed are probably just average, but his natural movement skills and his fluidity in those movement skills make him appear faster uh, then, then it really does, and then you combine that to his pass receiving skills and his receiving production. I'm I'm very high on Najee Harris. I think he I think he's right in the range of where guys like Jonathan Taylor went this year. I think he's another guy. If he doesn't go in round one because that position is devalued. I think we're talking about a guy who's off the board in the top 10, 15 picks of round two, and the team could take him in round one uh, if they're looking for that guy who they want to build an offense and be a, a power running team. I, I wouldn't even be that. I think Najee Harris is going to be looked at as the best Alabama running back from the last, you know, however many years coming out of college. And there's been a lot of them from Eddie Lacy to Mark Ingram to, you know, Derrick Henry to Damien Harris. You know, the list goes on and on. I think Najee Harris might end up being one, you know, that is the one that is the high most highly regarded. You know, I think, you know, Josh Jacobs obviously was very highly regarded himself, and we here at Saturday Sunday loved him. But I think Najee Harris is in consideration to be looked at as as the best Alabama back that we've seen uh in quite some time coming out, uh, especially with more of a uh workload under his belt than than what Josh Jacobs had when he came out
1: yeah I mean listen and that's gaudy praise right because people might be saying you guys are out of your mind Derek Henry Josh Jacobs how could you even utter such words I'm gonna tell you out of all the running backs that you just mentioned I don't think there's anybody who has the ceiling in my opinion that Najee Harris does and I know that's crazy but it's because of what he can do as a receiver. Don't misunderstand what we're saying. He's not the best receiver in this class, but he is a beyond competent receiver. He is a skillful receiver, and he is good in the receiving game. And I think he's an exceptional, exceptional player. I'm I'm very excited for him. He, He's a player that, like I said, if we had to call it right now, I'm right there with you. He is among my top two or three, probably putting him at number one right now before I even – Utter another word. So let's go on and to the next. Before, yeah. before,
0: before you go on, though, I I want to bring up one thing that I found fascinating. And Daniel Jeremiah is is probably looked at as one of the top evaluators right now in terms of the NFL draft, as there is in the industry. Right? He his comp is fascinating for Najee Harris, and I would never have thought of it at all. He Steven says Jackson? what Steven Jackson, he said, Matt Forte. And what, yeah. what I found intriguing about that is Matt Forte wasn't a good receiver. He was a great receiver. And the fact that he thinks his running style, his overall game has reminiscent of Matt Forte. And he wrote a whole profile of that. I'm not going to go into the details, head over to NFL.com and you can find that article, you know, earlier this summer, but i found it very intriguing because it wasn't the typical like bigger guy, physical guy and he went right for a comp on that regards whether it's the Derrick Henry or something like that. He went to Matt Forte because of the the i think i think Matt Forte wasn't the fastest runner. He wasn't the most athletic runner, but he was fluid, he solved problems, he was creative, he impacted the game on all three downs and he didn't need high level athleticism and long speed to be a great NFL running back. So I found it very fascinating that comp by Daniel Jeremiah. And I think it just shows you to what people see in his full picture in his full game.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I, somebody put out Steven Jackson as a comp for him too. very much in line with the Matt Forte. It's not, it's not out of the question. These are the types of players that Steven he Jackson him. was a
0: great receiver too, but yeah,
1: way. Yeah, that that's my point. Like, so Steven Jackson, Matt Forte, you're talking about an impactful, big bodied running back. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Where, where I
0: think most people typecast and miscasted him last summer as a big bodied guy, like a like bulldozer. Know, whether it's, whether it's AJ Dillon, who we like here, and is, is, he was an athletic freak in his own right. But I think people miscast Najee Harris. And I don't know if that'll change because sometimes people really get set in their ways in terms of what they think a player is. But I think people miscast him last summer as just this in-between-the-tackles, two-down type physical runner and miscast him as that last year. And I think he, he changed the narrative dramatically to
1: be the more complete runner that I think people like me and you and other people thought he could be. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I'm excited to see what he's got. So, Paul, let's go a little bit of rapid fire to finish out the show, get through a couple more guys, maybe like three or four. Sure. Let's talk about Javian Hawkins, the Louisville sophomore. He's five foot nine, 196 pounds last year. He rushed for 1,525 yards, good for five point eight yards per carry, nine rushing touchdowns, four receptions for just fifty eight yards, and no touchdowns. Tell me a little bit about Javian Hawkins. Yeah. I mean, he's only a redshirt sophomore. So the odds of
0: what's going on in college football right now, of this guy declaring without a season, I think would be very limited. Uh, but he was very productive this past year. You know, as you said, over 1500 yards, we're talking about another guy, an explosive player in terms of athleticism, long speed, burst acceleration, another guy who can be a, a home run threat. Anytime he touches the ball, you know, this guy's got good to great lateral quickness can get to the perimeter, good footwork, all this stuff for him though 59196 he's not going to be a guy that makes his living running between the tackles he's not a guy who runs with power and physicality and and that he's a space player but he's a space player that has not shown the ability yet to impact the game receiving so for me right now i look at him as a change of pace back maybe develop into a lesser part of a committee outside gap or inside zone like draws and delays where there's a lot of space is where he lives and is most effective. But right now he's somewhere on day three because he's got to show that he could impact the game. He shows he can impact the game uh, consistently and significantly in the past game. Then we're talking about one of those dual threat weapons that can move his way up you know, draft boards. Uh, but right now he's got to show some more development in that area to not just be a really good to great college football player, but to transition to the next level, because he's got that athleticism, the cutting ability, the change of direction, all of that. And he could still get drafted right now and be a really interesting change of pace guy. But uh, NFL teams want those guys usually to impact the game in terms of the receiving capabilities. He has
1: yet to show that he can do that. It's the most important thing for him to, to improve upon. And as we kind of move to the next guy, Kylan Hill, I mean, this is a player that I feel like is very polarizing right now in space. The Mississippi state seniors, five 215 pounds. He rushed for 1,350 yards. Good for 5.6 yards per carry 10 rushing touchdowns. He also added on 18 receptions for 180 yards and one touchdown. Paul, Thumbnail sketch from what I remember about Kylan Hill and from what I've seen over the years from him. You know, I I think he's one of them, again, one of the more well-rounded backs. I think that he has the opportunity to help out in the passing game. I think he has good receiving production or good receiving abilities, um, but it, he's not a player that I think that is going to necessarily be the offense at the running back position. I see him as a better part of a committee. Any thoughts that you had on him? Take us a little deeper. I mean, I
0: think Kylan Hill is going to be regarded pretty highly by people because I think he's somewhere on the spectrum of David David Montgomery and Zach Moss. And both of those guys did go in the third round of their respective NFL drafts. I think that's the world Kylan Hill lives in. I think he's the same type of athlete. I think his strengths in terms of his ability to break tackles, his physicality, his play strength, his finishing ability, you know, all that stuff, short area bursts, one cut ability, you know, use of stiff arm. I think that is all very reminiscent of those guys that I talked about. So I think, I don't think, I think his vision is a little bit more inconsistent than, than Zach Moss definitely. Uh, And he's got some injuries. He's got durability question marks about him, but I think he lives in that kind of world. I love the play strength. I love the running capabilities uh very intrigued in the Mike Leach offense if if we have a season this year to see the impact he makes in the receiving game. Because it took a little bit of a step back this past year, but historically, people in Mike Leach's systems have been very productive. That could help improve his stock if he catches 35 to 45 passes this year. So I think that's going to be an intriguing thing uh, to kind of follow, but I think I think we're talking about a committee backfield, but I think he's got some three down capabilities and could be a goal line guy. Like I said, I think and I think he's probably a day two prospect. I think probably a round three guy similar to where Montgomery and Zach Moss went. Uh I think is where he's probably in play. Uh I don't think he for me, he's not like a top five, you know, or or a top eight guy. I think he's more in that like 10 to 12 range. So maybe we don't get that many running backs, but I think he's a, a late round three, you know, early round four type player at the next level.
1: And when we talk about the next player, I think it's appropriate to say that speed kills because Chuba Hubbard has speed to spare. The Oklahoma State redshirt junior, six foot one, 207 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 2,094 yards, good for 6.4 yards per carry. 21 touchdowns, and he added 23 receptions for 198 yards and no receiving touchdowns. Paul, I mean, Chuba Hubbard, I mean, I'm probably in the minority on this. I think he is going to have, he has many, many fans and people are looking at him as potentially the, you know, top two backs in the class. Many have Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, but they also have Chuba Hubbard right there as a top three guy. Um, I, you know, I, listen, I think Chuba Hubbard is very explosive potentially in the receiving game. He can help out teams a lot in terms of what he can bring to the table as a receiver. I think in terms of being a player that could be good on screen passes and types of gadget plays like that, I think is excellent. So I think there's a lot of versatility there, but I didn't necessarily see a, a power runner in between the tackles. I didn't see a player that was going to necessarily move the chains in short yardage. I saw a guy that is you know, destined to become a significant part of a team's passing attack, as well as potentially an outside zone rushing attack. I I saw him more as a space player than I saw him as a tight between the tackle player. Uh, That was my reminiscence of him throughout college. Am I am I losing my mind? Is that what you remember?
0: No, I mean, I have rain down here best in an outside gap or zone running scheme, getting him into space, but also could be effective on inside draws and delayed runs. I have a day two, day two, uh, projection on him right now. I think he could be a lead member of a committee backfield, change of pace backslash pass catching back, starting kick returner. I love the athleticism, the long speed and burst home run threat when he gets the ball in space, whether it's a rush or reception, a kick return stop and start acceleration with that footwork easily can one cut and get up the field quickly, the lateral quickness, the change of direction, all that's there. I thought he showed a little bit better in terms of his play strength and his, his ability to absorb contact this year. Uh, but I don't think he's ever going to be uh, miscast as a guy who is a very power back or a lot of physicality to his game. Uh, I think he is who we kind of explain them here right now. Uh, you know, 207 sounds like a good weight, but he's a little bit of a taller back at 6'1". So I still think, I I probably classified his frame as about average right now. I still think there could be some room to maybe get up to like 214, 215 area. I don't know if he adds another five to eight pounds, if that'll impact his his overall speed and stuff at all. But I think that's ideally where maybe NFL teams would want to see him. But listen, I think he's an explosive player. I thought he was going to come out this year. He's in my top five right now. I I put the guys from last year especially with the uncertainty of this college football season when we get more into my rankings I think from talking tonight though people on people already uh, could start to understand where I put the Ethians, the Najee Harris and the Hubbard kind of almost in their own separate tier because those are the guys that we have the, the most track record on and those are they, there's less projections to to make with those guys uh so I think he's going to be regarded I think you know, he might have some Darrell Henderson to his, you know, vibes when people watch him in terms of his big playability in college and the productivity, uh, that he's had at Oklahoma state.
1: Well, you know what? And uh, and that's exactly why it takes us to kind of the last player of the evening. And now Just so you guys know, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you follow us back, subscribe and download to our podcast, and make sure you come back for the second episode. This will be wrapping up round one or episode one of the running back position. And for our final running back of this First show in this series, we're going to be talking about Keontae Ingram. The Texas junior is six foot, 220 pounds. He rushed last year for 853 yards, good for 5.9 yards per carry and seven rushing touchdowns. He also added 29 receptions for 242 yards and three touchdowns. Paul, this was a player out of high school that I thought was, again, a very well-rounded back, although he had a little bit, if I can remember from high school, a little bit more of an upright running style. He was a player that did a lot of you know, he had good change of direction between the tackles. He showed some agility between the tackles and on the outside runs, but in space, but again, he was another player that I think I was waiting to see not that first level vision, but a player that could see past the first level to those second level defenders and be effective. There was no doubt. He was a threat as a receiver out of high school too. Um, He had the capacity to be a receiving threat going into Texas. So I'm wondering Paul with that high school kind of feeling in mind, a potential to be a all three down back. Did he meet those criteria in your mind? Yeah, I think he did. In terms of guys that surprised
0: me the most, listen, we watch plenty of college football. We talk about guys for a long time. So there's not a lot that like stuns us when we watch the film of these guys. But the two guys that I came in with expectations of being of liking but not loving, who surprised me the most were Journey Brown, who we already talked about, and then Keontae Ingram. When we eventually get to my rankings, Keontae Ingram is going to be higher than a lot of very big names that I think people would expect to be higher. And that's because I was really impressed with what I saw of Keontae Ingram for Texas last year He's a guy who I think his arrow is pointed up. He does not move like a guy that is six feet two twenty. We talked a little bit about it with with uh Najee Harris before, and he's not on Harris's level in terms of fluidity for a big guy. But he is a guy that the size and frame. He's got that physicality play strength and toughness that we know he has, right? That's one of his calling cards. But then you add into the fact that he's a very good receiver. You add into the fact that his one cut ability and his agility and elusiveness, it looks more about a guy who's like 200 to 205, and he's doing it at 220. It's rare that you put a, in the strength category, agility and elusiveness for a guy who's six feet 220. It's just... Human nature and this the way you know the way the movement works. Usually, you don't see a lot of guys at six feet two twenty who you would classify as having really good agility and elusiveness. But Ingram has it: his footwork, his ability to one cut and get up field quickly, his ability to make people miss at the second level. You know, is something that stood out. Like his his athleticism overall might be average to above average. You know, but again how it impacts and how it translates on the football field, I came away very impressed with his overall package when I watched him play. Um, you know, still some things, overall workload questions, you know, inconsistent pass pro techniques, not a lot of outside running on his film. You know, I'd like to see, you know, that in terms of, you know, how how we can do on that. Like, you know, I didn't really have a lot to say whether or not His lateral quickness is there. I think that's just there wasn't enough on film for me to make a true determination. But I think Ingram is a guy that's pushed his way into that round three, round four mix with an arrow pointing up if we see a full season this year.
1: Yeah, and and you know what? That was a player, again, he was another player, like we said, coming out of high school. I think in the freshman notebook, I think we had him ranked. If I'm not mistaken, I think we had him either – I want to say maybe we had him fourth. Do we have him fourth in that class? We might have. So I he was a player that we definitely were interested in. Keontae Ingram was that well-rounded, versatile running back that really left us excited. So I'm glad to hear that he excited you. Makes me excited to go back to the film. And for everybody out there, I hope that this... Kind of look at the 2021 running back position has gotten you excited for whatever college football has to offer us this season. And please, as we always say, if you are digging what we're doing, if you're liking what we're doing here, please remember to download and subscribe to the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. Also, please be on the lookout for the 2021. Uh, Saturday to Sunday football premium notebooks, those will be hitting stands soon. So please be aware that they are on their way. And again, Paul, any final parting shots as we end this first episode of the running back position? no I mean listen I enjoy talking about these running backs they're very different
0: more and more we do this the style of running backs are so dramatically different right we had the Dimitri Felton's of the world and those type of guys we had the Javion Hawkins of the world and then we got guys like Rakeem Boyd and Najee Harris and Keontae Ingram we're going from like 180 pounds to like 230 pounds right that's a monumental difference in the type of player we're talking 50 pounds you know and and they're all different. We I think we got about through about fifteen tonight. So in part two, we're talking about another eleven guys that I watched and wrote up film uh full profiles for the new uh notebooks that'll come out soon. And then after we do those uh discussions on those eleven running backs, we'll talk some tiers, we'll talk some rankings to kind of put a ribbon uh as a first look. Really, that's that's what we're calling these, right? These are first looks. We'll go into a lot more detail on these guys. Uh, you know, as the year progresses, whether it is the season or no season. Uh, but, it, but it was fun talking through these guys with you and, you know, really recalling thoughts that we had on them. I know you haven't really had a chance to dig in on as much film evals yet, but there's a lot of things that it's interesting to, to hear you talk about some guys of things you remember. And for some guys, it was status quo but then other right. guys you saw that growth and development which is what we're constantly looking for here and that's the the ones that get me most excited
1: well no and i and i think that was a great point it's it's about development you know if we want to see players become great problem solvers then we should see them mature change develop and adapt over time and i think that we've seen those from some of these guys tonight paul i cannot wait to get into Part two of this series coming up real soon. But again, for everybody out there, for myself, for Paul, for Dave Nakana, our sound and tech engineer, thank you for joining us. We hope that this gave you, again, a bit of a reprieve from the world that we're currently facing. We hope you and your families remain safe. And please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.